This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Are you ready for the word this morning? Amen. I am ready. I've I've taken a break for the last few weeks. I know you've not missed me. Uh, (laughs) Man, Vicky brought a great word a couple of weeks ago, didn't she? It was so good. Amen. And uh, we had Darup that brought the word last Sunday, and uh, it was awesome, and conference was awesome. And I'm so excited that God is doing a beautiful, beautiful work, um, you know, in this uh, this season. Uh, We're going to have another six and six in another month's time. We're going to have more people step up. And that's what the Great Commission is. It's training and commissioning people uh, to come and be bold witnesses of the gospel of Jesus. And I'm, I'm excited about that. I want to title my message this morning, Stop Striving. I want to title my message this morning, Stop Striving. Uh, you know, everybody is constantly on the go. Uh, we are a culture that's constantly on the go. Uh, you know, the other day, uh, Sonia and I, uh, we don't get to do this very often. The luxury of sitting back and actually watching a TV show or catching up on a series uh, is a sheer luxury for us. Uh, being pastors that are busy and on the go the whole time uh, or having three kids and trying to manage work. Uh, with my wife, it's managing a full-time job, uh, being a full-time pastor and being a full-time mom. Uh, and, uh, you know, just making sure that we juggle all of these things and find time for all of these things. Um, uh, watching TV is not a luxury anymore. Uh, so the other day when we were just sitting back and we were just skipping through Netflix, and you know when you get to Netflix, you don't know what to watch. You're just like, there are way too many options. So you're just going through and scrolling, and by the time you're done scrolling, your, your dinner's done, and you know, you don't know. Anybody been there? Like, you're, you're done with your dinner, and you're still like trying to pick what show you want to watch. But we've, we, we happened to uh, see a trailer of this show uh, called Growing, oh, sorry, not, not Growing, but Old Enough. That's what it's called, Old Enough. And uh, it's really a reality show from Japan. And I don't know if anybody has watched this before, but it's super funny. And it's, uh, it's, it's a bunch of five-year-olds and six-year-olds and seven-year-olds that are, that are given errands and tasks in the real world to go and, you know, to go work in the farm or to go, you know, uh, get a harvest from a farm or go to the supermarket and get vegetables or buy groceries or run errands for their parents. And these kids are literally walking through busy highways and crossing, you know, uh, highways and in and, and, and villages. They're, they're passing through paddy fields and so on and so forth, going and running these tasks for their parents. And unknowing to them, there are hidden cameras all over that are trying to grab their reactions, trying to, trying to see if they're going to make it, trying to see what they're going to accomplish, if they're going to accomplish the task. It is hilarious, okay? These are the shows that we love watching. So we, we, we ended up watching that, and then we started binge-watching, and we started, we started getting everybody, you know, to, to get on the show. And, and we started thinking about it, and I'm like, man, there is such a stark difference between the culture of how people raise kids in some parts of the world and how we raise kids in our part of the world, in America. Am I I talking to somebody? And and there's a stark difference. And no, I don't want want to get into a comparison game. I don't want anybody to feel guilty. 
Because even here in the United States, we have uh, either one set of parents. There's, there's this side of there's this, uh, these helicopter parents that either, you know, hover over their kids and prevent them from growing. And they, they want to make sure they micromanage every single thing that they do. And they don't want them to be exposed to the things of the world. And on the other spectrum, you have parents that push their kids from a very young age. This, this, this tendency of making sure kids succeed. And kids are achieving. And even before you know and before they can walk, it's, it's this treadmill mentality of putting kids on this treadmill and constantly having these kids keep going and going and going and going. Before you're three, you have to learn your alphabets. And before you're four, you have to count from one to a hundred and you need to know how to add and subtract. And, and by the time you're seven, you need to know algebra. And, and you know, before that, you, you, have to, you have to go and do this and that and you have to enroll in this class and that class. And, and over and over, this, this, this pressure that we put on our generation and our kids to succeed and to get ahead. And the number of parents that I talk to and they ask me, Pastor, I don't know what's going on with this generation, but we have mental health issues like no other generation before. And I have to pause and I have to wonder, is this self-inflicted? Is the pressures of the world and the pressures of, of society and the pressures of success and this, this success-driven mentality where everybody's constantly on the grow and striving and striving to be better than somebody else or trying to succeed and trying to get into that college or trying to get that scholarship or trying to get into that high school or that charter school or that private school or, or whatever it is that you want to get into. The success-driven mentality oftentimes is something that is counterintuitive to what the Bible teaches us and what God actually teaches us. I want to contest this morning that we were designed as human beings and his creation to actually be intimate with God. We were not designed to be machines. We were not designed to go, 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 go. We were not designed to perform, perform, perf that's not what God told Adam and Eve to do. As soon as Adam and Eve woke up in the morning, God looked at them and said, let's walk together. Let's commune. Let's talk. Let's conversate. Let's, 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 let's do life together. But somewhere along the way, and it started back in the Garden of Eden, we got distracted with the pleasures of the world and the things of the world telling us that we need to get, 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 get. And it started in the Garden of Eden with Satan looking at Eve and said, do you want this? The seduction that started in the Garden of Eden is the seduction that you and I continue to war with and face with, face even till this day. See, intimacy with God was designed more of walking with and less doing. Intimacy is more being with God and less being God. I, I'm, I'm preaching this morning and I want y'all to catch on to this. You know what, why Lucifer got kicked out of heaven? Because he tried to be God. Mm. I can and I have to do it complex. That a lot of us suffer with. 
This pride that we have to get somewhere and we have to do it. And unless we get this job or unless we have to be this person or unless we do this and this and this and this, maybe I'm not going to be acknowledged in my community. Maybe I'm not going to be acknowledged in my family. And it's in the middle of that that Psalms 46, the Bible is teaching us a very beautiful principle that I want to break down this morning. Are you ready for this? And in chapter, chapter number 46 in, in Psalm verse 10, the Bible says this, be still and know that I am God. But the psalmist is looking at us and saying stillness is good. Being calm is good. Being rested is good. Striving is not the initial plan of God. Stillness has the capacity for you to know God deeper. When we stop striving and trying and aiming at success and all of these things, when God brings us to moments of solitude, He's looking at you and encouraging you, stop striving. Stop constantly needing to do something. I want to touch on three points and I'm going to pray and close. Is that good? Three points. And these are the three points. I want you to know God, okay? You can be still and you can know God in three different ways. You can know him as a refuge. You can know him as a river. And you can know him as a ruler. Three things I'm going to talk about. A refuge, a river, and a ruler. Let's go to verse number one. Psalm 46 and verse number one. We're going to break this down. The Bible says this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I want to present to you that if you want to know God intimately, you have to accept that God is always your refuge. Refuge means a person that you hold on to. Refuge means that somebody that you take shelter under. Remember, in the tumultuous world that we live in, in this grief-stricken world that we live in, in this success-driven world that we live in, where mental health is taking a toll on people, well, where people's health is deteriorating and they're, they're keeping their health aside to focus on things of the world, God is looking at you and saying, you were designed in such a way where I was supposed to be and I am your refuge and your strength. You're not supposed to do this on your own. Not under your own ability. The Bible is clear when it says God. The word for God over there is this word Elohim. Elohim is the word for the triune God. God the Father. God the Son. And God the Holy Spirit. Together we get all three of them together. Who agree and say we are your refuge. We are your strength. Come on am I talking to somebody this morning? But what is he a refuge for? God is our refuge and our strength, a, a very present help in trouble. Trouble literally means tight place. I don't know how many of y'all have been cornered in life before. I don't know how many of y'all have been in, in very tight spaces before where you can't breathe, where you're claustrophobic. It could be a job situation that you're in. It could be your financial situation that you found yourself in. It could be a debt situation. It could be a family situation, but I have found myself way too many times in valleys where I am surrounded. Come on, am I talking to somebody? We sing that song, when, when, when I feel like I'm surrounded, I refuse to believe that I'm surrounded by the enemy. I am surrounded by God. My God is my refuge. My God is my strength. 
I want to remind somebody and encourage somebody. When you find yourself in tight places, God is purposely bringing you there so that you can wiggle your way out of it. So you can navigate your way out of it. So that you can detour your way out of it because that's what we're so used to doing. How can I get out of this mess? How can I get out of this, this, this conundrum that I'm in? How can I get out of this situation that I'm in? And God sometimes looks at you and says, I'm going to bring you to places. Have you ever been on a highway that you're like driving on and you miss the exit and there is no way out except driving for 15 minutes? Anybody been on 45 where you missed an exit in the middle of Huntsville or wherever that is and you don't find an exit for the night? It's a harrowing experience where you're like, I have to wait for 15 minutes to do a U-turn to go back. Am I talking to somebody? Mm. But life oftentimes brings us in situations like that where God says, I'm not going to give you an exit option right now because in these moments, you learn to trust in me more than any other moment in life. And God says, I am your refuge in tight places. He says a present help, which means right now. It doesn't mean later. It doesn't mean tomorrow. It doesn't mean when I did it yesterday. He says right now. Someone say present help. He says a very, not even present help. He says a very, which means speedily. Oh, come on somebody. Like a right now presence. And sometimes in life you've seen God come through in the right now. Sometimes you know that you've been at the end of the road and you know that there was no coming out of it and that tight space was about to, about to conquer you, about to choke you out and in the right time, come on somebody, I don't know if you've been there before, but I thank God for a God that comes through in the clutch where he comes in and he says in a timely manner, a present help, a very present help in times of trouble, our God is a God like that. My God has no problem with time. You will you'll probably notice it doesn't say that in the time of trouble. It says in trouble. In the midst of trouble. In other words, God has already sent help and God has already arrived before the trouble even arises. Am I talking to somebody? In the next time you're in the middle of trouble, when you're in the middle of a valley, where you see no exit, remember if you came there, God came there before you. Come on somebody. If you prayed the day before, if you said, God, go before me before I go into this valley, remember that he is not and he will never take you into a valley valley that he's not walked into first. I have confidence in every valley that I walk through. My shepherd is waiting for me. The comforting hand of God, the peaceful hand of God, he is already there. Somebody say, in the time of trouble. In the time of trouble, his strength is revealed in times of my weakness. I want to remind somebody that his strength is made perfect in my weakness. That's what Paul says. Can I remind somebody, and I want you to write this down. You don't know how strong your God is until you realize how weak you can get. I'm going to remind somebody again. You can never gauge and measure, and you don't even know the extent of the strength of God. Unless and until you're cornered and you realize that you are weak and you're frail and you are human. And oftentimes God brings us to moments of humanity, moments of humanness where we are bound and we are found that, 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 that we find ourselves in lonely gaps and lonely pastures. And this is immensely reassuring. 
and a powerful posture to start the day with. I want to remind somebody that I might be ill, but God is my refuge and my strength. One morning, I might be nervous about work and, and when I wake up in the morning, but I, I remind myself God is my refuge and my strength. I may not have the strength to get out of bed one morning, but I have to remind myself that God is my refuge and my strength. When he gives you that strength, you ought to be thankful. You ought to, got to say, thank you, Lord, because you're my ever-present help in trouble. Remember that. Whenever you get into trouble, God is already present. You don't have to invite God into your trouble. God allowed you to walk into there knowing that he was already there. Come on, somebody. A lot of people make that mistake in trouble. You're like, oh, God's not here. Why would God allow me to go through this? When you're in the fire, you don't have to look around the fire. You look in the fire. God's standing right there with you. And oftentimes, you might not even notice it. But the very fact that you're on scat, the very, the very fact that you were not burnt, the very fact that your life is not over, come on, the presence of the fire doesn't mean everything's done. The presence of the fire just means that you're still alive and God has given you the propensity and the power and the amazing ability to stand through it and everybody around you is watching in awe and saying, there's a fourth man in the fire. Other people should point to the goodness of God in your life and the presence of God in your life. Oh, come on, somebody. I got to go on. Somebody said, go on. Verse 2, therefore, we will not fear. I want you to catch on to this. Count how many times he says, though. Okay, ready? Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains may be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, sailor. Man, how many times did you count? Four times. He says, though, 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 I will not fear. I know that the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but man, every now and then, I get that fear somehow, somewhere. I land in positions where fear overcomes me. Anybody been there before? I know I've preached about fear so many times in my life and in my ministry, but there are many times in my life that I've found myself stricken by fear. And if you are like me, you find yourself puzzling over where God is in the storm, where God is in this life change that I'm going through, over this difficult time that I'm going through. And, and this verse, honestly, it feels like one more thing to do. Hear me very closely. But what if it isn't? What if the facts of verse 1 that we read earlier that God is my ever-present help in times, you talk, am I talking to somebody? Just remember that verse. What are the facts of verse one that God is our refuge and our strength, the very present help in trouble, aren't demanding us to not have fear, but telling us about the way things will be. Journey with me. What if the simple fact that God is God means that ultimately we will not have fear? Fear surrounds us, and I understand that there is so much fear in this world that we live in, but fear does not have the last word. I want to remind somebody, i got to constantly remind myself of the constancy of God. Because God, 
Because he was, because he is, and because he will always be, I got to know, though the oceans may pass, though the mountains, though this, though cancer, though lung disease, though heart disease, though my children will walk away from God, though I lose my job, though this or that happens, though all of this can happen, but my God is always by my side. I want to remind somebody that it speaks to the character of God. The four those are illustrating that even if the whole world is destroyed, that when all the noise subsides, when the dust settles, he will still be standing because God is my refuge. That's what the psalmist is saying. I will still be standing because my expiration date is something that God imprints on me. Not people. Not my manager who just fired me. Not somebody who did not promote me. Not that person that, that spoke ill will over me. Not that medical report. That's not the one that has the final say. Because God is on the throne, all of these may happen. All of this can come and go. It will not change a thing. My God is always, will always, and that's what he reminds us. I am the same unchanging Jesus yesterday, today, and forevermore. And somebody needs to say amen to that. Somebody says, stop striving. Mm. Therefore, we will not fear. Somebody once told me, wherever you see therefore written in the Bible, you got to ask yourself, what is it there for? And the psalmist is literally telling us, though, 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 why is it, though the earth gives way, though the mountains may be moved in the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble, it is there for the verse 1 and 2 that says, God is our refuge and strength. All of this could happen, but that just means that God is still there and will always be there. The second point I want to leave with you is this. For you to be still and know him, you got to know him as a river. Somebody say a river. Verse 4, the Bible says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of joy. A hold the holy habitation of the Most High. Now I want you to listen really quick because there's a little bit of historical context I need to give you. See, rivers were very valuable resources today and yesterday. Back in biblical times, they were so much more valid because it was considered a natural resource with which countries would have an upper hand. And most of the times it was in battle that people would try to cut water supply to the city when they went under siege. But the problem was this, although the psalmist is talking about a river, Jerusalem did not have a river. The only water supply was the spring of Gihon, which fed the stream of Siloam that we read in the Bible. Now, now, and, and knowing that their enemies would cut off their water supply. See, historically, this psalm is set in the, in the time of King Hezekiah, right? When the people were about to come and conquer them. And King Hezekiah is crying with the people of Israel and telling God who he is and the strength that God has. And the people were about to come and they were going to cut off the water supply. And Hezekiah gets wisdom from God. He beats them to the punch and he closes off the springs outside of the city. And instead he channels this water through an underground tunnel that comes into the city of Jerusalem. 
I thank God for the wisdom that God gives us men and women in times of crisis and desperation. I thank God for wisdom that God gives upon men and women that they stand up in prayer and say, God is asking us to do this, so we're going to do this. So this is the Bible says they, they have a river all of a sudden going through their city because of the wisdom that a man had. Come on. Hmm. I think you missed it. Like even though they were under attack, Jerusalem still had water flowing on the inside where the enemy could not see. The Lord was in the midst of that underground water source and he provided what was needed. I want to remind somebody for you to be still and know that God is good. You got to understand that God is your provider. He is your river. He is that God that looks at you and says, I will close the eyes of the enemy. Even though you lost that job, I, I got to remind you that he is Jehovah Jireh. Even though you lost that source of income, even though that water source was cut off, remember that God gives wisdom sometimes. Oh, come on. Mm. And I pray that we will be men and women of wisdom. That God gives us discernment in times of struggle and need. Look at somebody and say, he will provide. Because do you remember, because I can remember the times that I was under siege in my life. The times that I was under attack in my life. But still God provided. Come on somebody. The times that you were under siege and the doctors told you that there was not coming out of that medical condition. But your heart was still beating. But your lungs are still breathing. But you still got that paycheck. You, you still had food on the table. And it is when you and I understand that my God is a river. A river that never stops flowing. I begin to understand not just the constancy of God and the serenity of God. But I begin to rein, rein in and, and begin to trust in the provision of God. The God that says I will provide and I will give to you. What God is literally looking at them and saying is, be still and know that I will come through for you. Not only am I sovereign God, he's saying, I will come through for you. I am Jehovah Jireh. I will provide where there seems. He is a God that, that, that brings streams in the desert. He will not look at a Hagar that is thirsty and crying and dying and leave her ignored. Come on, somebody. Till he says your time is done, he will make sure he provides for you. Never will your water run dry. You might be an Elijah and you're wondering if you're a Christian and why this is happening to me, God. I've been tithing, I've been praying, I've been doing all these things. But God is reminding the Christian and the believer that you might have do, done all the things right. But there are moments that you might feel cornered and God still reminds you. It doesn't change the fact that I'm still God and I will still provide for you even when the odds are stacked up against you. And in verse 5, the Bible says, God is in the midst of her and she shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. Oh, come on somebody. You know, when you're going through a struggle, when you're going through moments of despair and need, you, you really don't know what the morning holds for you. I don't know if you've been there before, but I've been through moments of tears. But I feel, I, I'm like, Lord, I, I, just, I, just, I don't want to wake up in the morning tomorrow, God. 
I just don't want to face the reality when the, when the dawn hits and when I have to again look at my, uh, my bank balance. I got to look at my, my, my debt or I got to look at my, my children struggling. I got to look at my health condition and I got to look at my, my, my Apple watch, my, my heart rate going high or, or my, my blood results coming in. I, I just don't want to look forward to it, God. I don't want to look forward to popping in all these spills in the morning, Lord. I don't know if you've been there before. Somebody needs to be reminded today that God is, God is up. God is awake way before you wake up in the morning. I want to remind somebody today that he didn't wake up to your alarm clock. That God did not snooze. He will not snooze. He is a God that is always, the Bible says he neither slumbers nor sleeps. Uh, he, you will not catch him napping. You will not catch him resting. Come on somebody. He did that already one day. He looked at all his creation. He looked at it in all. He looked at you and me and he said, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to adore all that I have done because everything I have done is perfect. So you're not going to catch him sleeping. You're not going to catch him slumbering. God's clock did not need to be wound back an hour back this morning. Am I talking to some like that did not need to happen. You are too stressed about the day. You dread up waking in the morning. But he wants to remind you that you're not doing it on your own. Come on somebody. Every time you want to give up. Isaiah 50. The Bible says he wakens me up morning by morning. And his mercies are new every morning. The Bible says that the sorrow may last for the night. The joy cometh in the... Psalms 90 says, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all the days of our life. For those of y'all who don't look forward to mornings, I want to remind you we're going to change the narrative of mornings. Come on somebody. There are people in here that quake in your boots of the idea of waking up in the morning. Some of y'all don't want to look up in the look look forward to the morning because you haven't slept all night. I rebuke insomnia in the name and by the blood of Jesus. I rebuke mental health sickness in the name of Jesus. I rebuke depression in the name of Jesus. I rebuke anxiety in the name of Jesus. Somebody here needs to lift up your hand and say, God, I receive that word. That's for me. And in the name of Jesus, healing is mine. Come on, somebody. And to you who doesn't want to wake up in the morning, my word to you is God is in the midst of you. Come on, somebody. And you will not be moved. Though the mountains may crumble and the seas may be moved, God will help you when the morning dawns. He is your source of strength. He is your power. He is the one who woke up way before you did. He laid the foundations of the earth and he's looking at you and saying, I got your back. I pray that you and I will be men and women of God that when we open our eyes in the morning, the devil says, oh Lord God Almighty, she's up again. He is awake. Mm, not the other way around. I refuse to wake up afraid. I refuse to wake up with anxiety. I refuse to wake up with fear of facing the day. I will not fear. Because he lives, I will face tomorrow. 
Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, come on, I'm, I'm reminding somebody today. I preach this message and I'm passionate about this message because I know of a God that lives. He is not a dead God. He is not a buried God. He rose up three days later. He loves you unconditionally. He gave his life for the ransom for many. And today he is interceding for you. And what you're going through is not unknown to God. He knows every part and parcel of your struggle and he tells you and reminds you I will give you the strength to face tomorrow get up brush your teeth wash your face put that makeup on take those ashes off take that sackcloth off and look at tomorrow and say I will conquer in the name of Jesus thank you Jesus I gotta land this plane. You ready? Verse, verse, verse seven. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Wow. The Lord of hosts. You know, can I simply put it? It just simply means big God. I serve a big God. Look at your problems and tell your problems you serve a big God. That thank you. I, were you talking to me? I'm a, was I your problem? Or I was looking at you, Rebecca. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you, Ron. Thank you. Because I said, look at your problems and say you had a big God. And he screamed it out. My God is a warrior God. He's a God of angel armies. Am I talking to somebody? When the Bible says he is the Lord of hosts, trust me, I don't serve a puny God. I don't serve a lowercase God. I serve a God who is Elohim. I serve a God who laid the foundations of the earth. I serve a God who said, I created you in my image and in my likeness. I loved you and I care for you. And because I live, you shall also live. He, I serve a God who is a, a I serve a battle fighting God. I serve a God who prepares a table in the presence of your enemies. I serve a God of hosts. He don't play around fam, he don't play around. You better look at that enemy that's threatening your very existence, that's threatening your breathing, you're threatening your job, and you better let him know that you serve a God of hosts. You serve a God of angel armies, a God that leads from the front, a God that doesn't lead from the back, a God that says, I will go before you, and because I go before you, victory belongs to you. And he says, Selah. Same word used in verse, I think it was three, it's going to be used in verse 7, and it's going to be used in verse 11. Selah simply means pause, rest, think about it. Stop striving. Stop doing it on your own. Stop warring. Stop fighting this battle on your own. Stop leaning on the things of the world and the substance of the world to keep you going. That's not what you need, fam. God is looking at somebody and saying, trust in me with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding for I am the giver of strength. Selah. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. The third thing. The third thing. Someone say the third thing. Be still and know him as ruler. Three R's. The third R is ruler. Be still. And know him as ruler. Verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. 
The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. The psalmist have been talk, has been talking over here for nine verses and God juxtaposes, he jumps in and he says, hold up, let me make a statement. God wants to speak for himself and his character and he says, I know you know what you know, but let me tell the world and let me tell my people who I am. And he says, I am the God that wants to be with you. Be still and know that I am God. When you are in the crossroads of a scary situation in your life, and I, and I believe God is speaking to somebody sitting over here today. God is literally speaking to somebody and saying, be still. Someone say, be still. The word for be still in the original Hebrew is the word harpu. Harpu, and the, and the phrase, I hope I don't butcher this, is harpu udoki anohi Elohim. I didn't. Thank you, Jesus. And harpu literally means seize. Okay, here's where I want to just dismantle. I want to just literally like take everything that this verse has taught you in the past and I want to completely crumble it because that's not, a lot of our understanding of this verse is not what this really means because for us, so many of us is, you know, we got to be quiet and let God speak. That's not what this verse is talking about. That's not, let's, let's completely take the next time somebody tells you that, say, heresy. No, just don't do that, but just tell them that. Tell them the right thing, okay? Here's, here's literally what it means. It literally means to withdraw. It means to take your hands off something that you've been holding on tight. It means to drop your weapons. It means to stop trying and stop striving. That's all it means. It doesn't mean be quiet and let God talk. That's true. Please do that from time to time. But that's not what this verse means. This verse literally means this battle that you've been trying to fight. This God complex that you've built up saying that unless I do it, it won't be done. God's saying, let go. Princey, let go. Like Sarah, let go. Like this is important. Jevin, let go. Stan, let go. I'm speaking to people. Jerry, let go. I want you to understand this. This is important. Jobin, let go. Vikram, let go. Jay, let go. Alan, let go. All of y'all. Chris, let go. Amy, let go. Tamara, let go. Come on, Terry, let go. I, 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 want us to, I want us to understand this word. Let this word sink right in. He's looking at you and saying, Harpu, which means seize. Stop striving. Stop trying. Stop fighting with God. What happens before you withdraw, before you give in, you usually, like, like we, we have that inside of us. It's natural within human beings. We want to fight. We want to, like, like, we're holy and hood at the same time. We're like wanting to like, you know, I'm going to do everything in my power. And this is a challenge for me, for God to say, man, for, for, for me to look at God and say, God, I can't handle this. I don't want to handle this. Like by natural, like, like Rebecca, I'm a fixer. I don't know about y'all. I'm a fixer. If it's broke, I like to fix it. Sometimes if it's not broke, I like to fix it. But, 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 but man, that, but, but that, that's just me. I want, I want to get it done. But when God speaks, he says, man, I don't want you to stress because the God you trust in is handling stuff for you. He's the fixer. He's the one that's laid the foundations of the earth. 
He's the one that's knitted me beautifully in my mother's womb. Come on, my tongue. Like every verse in the Bible, I can go on and on and on. It goes to the constructive ability of God. Please know this, and if there's nothing else you heard today, please know this. I can go on and on, verses in the Bible, about how God gets glory from building. He has built the most beautiful thing in you and me. And he says, I will build the church, and the, the gates of hell will not. Come on, am I tired? Do I need to go on? My God is a builder. He is the master builder. He creates, he weaves, he perfects. And unless and until you can trust in his ability, it's okay. I know there was, there's been devastation. You, it's okay to be shocked by devastation, but I just need to knock out the initial shock to accept that Jesus is, is all in full control and I don't need to worry. It's important for you to know that he is able, he has done it. And he will do it again. Worship team, you guys get ready, to go, get ready to come up. In essence, what I'm trying to say is this. Be still and know that it's important to know that God can do it. Not just know about it. It's easy to know about verse 1 to 9. And that's why God has to jump right in. And he says, everybody knows this. Like the Israelites always sing of my praises. Like the psalm is filled, psalms is filled with praises and praises that you sing and sing and sing and sing. But it's one thing to sing it and say it. And it's another thing to know it. He says, hold on, people. Just stop singing. Be still. Stop fighting. Stop striving. And for once, would you know my character? My immovable character. And he ends it by saying, Selah. They, they use that word when you heard something so good that you can't rush past it. It's when Justina, I miss her around here, when Justina screams out to me and say, say that again, pastor. Am I talking to somebody? It's when one of you look and say, wow, that was a good point. And you just close your eyes for a second. I know God is speaking to you. Some of y'all just close your Bible and then you're like, let this soak in. That's a sailor moment. Because <laughs> the Bible says the word of God is a double-edged sword and when it pierces right through, you're not just going to have a brave, brave you're going to be like, let it pierce. Let it do something in my life. I want to speak over somebody today. Allow God's spirit to speak over you. Would you stand up to your feet with me all over this place? You know, we can be real spiritual around church folk. I talk about this all the time. Sunday mornings or when everybody puts on their best face. Everybody can shout and say amen. On Sundays, it's easy. But tomorrow's Monday. <laughs> I gotta go back to work. Tuesday comes soon after that. Don't remind me about hump day because it's gonna be real bad. You're gonna wanna cuss someone out on Thursday. There are many times where you wanted to throw in the towel on Friday. 
Sunday is the easiest, trust me. You're depleted by Saturday. But that's when God is going to check to see if you really believe what you're saying amen to this morning. Everybody that said amen to the message this morning and said, Pastor Preacher, wrote notes this morning, I want to see it in action tomorrow. Where the world is falling all around you, where the waves are coming crashing around you. When hope is depleted, am I able to still stand up and say, Do, 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 Do. God, I don't have the strength to say the next Do. But I still choose to believe that you are constant, that you are able, that you're the healer, that you're the way maker, that you are the deliverer. And I'm going to trust you even if I can't trace you. Because I want to relax, I want to remember, I want to recognize. Because you're the God that's exalted among the nations. Look at your neighbor and say, stop striving. God sent me a mission this morning to preach this word. And I don't know who needed to hear this word, but somebody did. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.